listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I wanted to jump into this thought today. And uh, by the way, thank you to everybody that's joining me and thank you to everybody that's sharing today. Uh, Take a minute. This is an important, important broadcast. And the reason that I say that is because faith is the most important element in our Christian lives. There is nothing more important than faith in our Christian lives. And the reason that I say that is because it is the element that allows us to please the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, if you've never seen that before, uh, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe two things. Number one, that he exists. And number two, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we know that we cannot even please God without faith. So that should show you right there, if you're a Christian, you want to live a life that is pleasing to God. So if that's going to be the case, you have to have faith in order to make that happen. I can't please him without faith. In fact, I'll give you something kind of heavy that I don't, you don't hear a lot of people preach, but the Bible says in the book of Romans that anything that is not of faith is sin. Think about that. Paul wrote that to the Roman church, anything that is not of faith is sin. And so without faith, you're literally displeasing to God. Your life is displeasing to him. And so that's why I wanted to take this broadcast today and stir your faith for this new week and really for this upcoming year that we have in 2020 that we're gonna have the best year of growing faith that we've ever seen. Growing, bold faith. And uh, also to help you, to help you in this area, this month, I'm going to be uh, releasing a new, brand new course on Miracle Word University that's entitled Mountain Moving Faith. And I'm going to take hours to teach teach you on all these different subjects on faith, all these different little things, uh, where faith comes from, how you build great faith, enemies of faith. I'm going to talk about the four different kinds of faith. I mean, there's not just one kind. We're going to go through the word of God. You guys do not want to miss this course that we're going to be dropping in December on Miracle Word University. And by the way, if you've never had a chance to check out our online courses that we've made available, you can go to miraclewordu, the letter U, dot com, and you can check out the courses we already have available. And I've made them so cheap for you guys. They're only $69 per course. And that's like four to five hours of teaching in each course, multiple videos, probably 15 to 20 videos in each one, uh, but made it super cheap. You can even do it over a a period of two months, $35 a month for two months to get those courses. But Mountain Moving Faith, you will not want to miss this brand new one. And uh, it's going to drop this month. So we'll make you aware of that when it does happen. But I want to build your faith because as we go into this new year, God has a plan to violently increase your family. He has a plan to violently increase your ministry and your business and your personal life. 
But see, not everybody's going to run into that. that that's what always uh, you know, used to upset me a lot about watching Christian television is that, you know, you get people that'll get on television and they'll say, man, I, I can't, I'm going to have to prophesy to everybody that's watching me. You're getting ready to go to another level. Everybody that's watching me today, you're getting ready for a double portion. And the truth of that is that it's not going to happen, that you, you can't get up and broadly prophesy to a group of people watching you, number one, that you don't even know the diverse levels of their faithfulness in the kingdom and their obedience to the covenant or whether even uh, they're saved or not. You can't get up and prophesy en masse, everybody watching me is getting ready to go to another level. Everybody watching me is getting ready to experience the double portion. No, you can't say that because those things don't happen accidentally, nor do they happen by prophecy. They happen by obedience to the covenant of God. I don't care how many people prophesy over you that you're going to another level. If you remain in disobedience to the covenant, you're never going to arrive at the next level. And so we're not promoted by prophets or prophecy. We are promoted by the Lord. I want you to see that. We're not promoted by prophets or prophecy. Now, those are both needed. I'm not discounting, trust me. I am not discounting the ministry of the prophet, which is very, very real today. I have family members that are true prophets. My father's a true prophet. My uncle Terry is a true prophet who pastors a Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. True prophets of God, without question. So I'm not negating the ministry of the prophet, nor the need for that ministry, nor am I negating prophecy. In fact, the Bible tells us not to despise prophesyings or prophecies. And so I'm not negating or, or making light of prophecy. But what I'm telling you is that prophecy cannot override your obedience or disobedience to the covenant of God. You're, and, and I want you to write that in the comments section, by the way. Prophecy cannot override my faithfulness to the covenant. Prophecy cannot override my faithfulness to the covenant. Write that in the comments. Prophecy cannot override my faithfulness to the covenant. And the reason I say that is because that's true in a positive and a negative way. That statement is true in a positive and a negative way. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say in a negative way first. <clears throat> If somebody said, you know, I'm going to, you're going to, like I just said, you're going to another level. You're about to hit the double portion and you're disobedient to the covenant. It doesn't matter how much they prophesy. It's not going to override your obedience to God's word spoken and written that you have to be faithful to the covenant first before promotion can come. But now let's look at the positive side because it's also a positive thing that quote unquote prophecy or, or declarations cannot stop your faithfulness in the old Testament. There was um, an evil king who tried to hire a prophet, Balaam, to curse God's people. Tried to curse them. And so he knew that prophecy was real. He knew that the word of the prophet was real. And so he, he paid this prophet so that he would curse the people of Israel. And Balaam said, well, I've got to inquire of the Lord first. And so he went and he inquired of the Lord and God said, I've not found any fault with my people. I've not found it. So he had to, he literally had to come back to the king that paid him and said, I, this is what the Lord says. 
that he's examined his people and he has not found any fault in them. And he said, then he, then he said this, which I love. And so I cannot curse what God has already blessed. Hallelujah. I cannot curse what God has already blessed. So God looked at his people and found them to be faithful and found them to be obedient. And that means that there could be no prophetic curse or their lives and their ministries and their families could not be diminished by a word of prophecy or a curse because their faithfulness had already set them up to be blessed by God. So you understand, negative or positive context, it cannot work. Nothing can override your faithfulness to the covenant. And so you hear these people get on, my God, you're getting, go to, getting ready to go to another level. Every person watching me, you're getting ready to see the double portion hit. And Not everybody's going to see it. Not everybody's going to see it. But I want you to declare by faith, I will see it in 2020 in Jesus' name. I will see increase in 2020 in Jesus' name. I will see it. The other thing is this, as you try to prophesy in mass over a group of people, everybody's at a different level of faith. Everybody's at a different level of obedience. Everybody that you're talking to may not even be serving the Lord. So that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem to try to declare promotion to those that aren't even serving the Lord. And so you have, and the biggest thing that I want to zero in on today is not everybody may be at the same level of faith. Faith can grow. But not only can faith grow, faith can also be hindered from working. Faith can be hindered from working. Good morning, Lena. Good morning, Lenan. Good morning, Judy. Faith can be hindered from working. And that's the basis of this broadcast today is that I want to show you four dangerous things that would literally stop your faith from working. Four dangerous things that would literally stop your faith from working. We could call them enemies of your faith. Enemies of your faith. Faith is not a master key into every blessing because faith can be stopped. Faith can be stopped. And here, these four things, you have got to keep your eye out for these because they're so common in the body of Christ that many people are frustrated thinking God doesn't come through when you pray. God doesn't come through when you believe. Good morning, Caitlin. And this is this is the problem we have. People will say, well, you see, I tried it and it didn't work or I've been believing and it's not come to pass. And you know what people do then? Then people start trying to build doctrines around what's happened to them versus what the Bible says. And that's such a dangerous place to be. People experience loss or they experience decrease. Um, they may not have the miracle they're believing for. And this is what they say. Well, uh, you know, I guess God doesn't do it for everybody. Or may, maybe it's not my timing. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff people say. Maybe it's not my time yet for that kind of a, a miracle. Um, I saw a, cele a Christian, quote unquote, celebrity uh, tweet today that, uh, you know, Lazarus was dead for a few days. Sometimes the miracle takes a while. That was actually what the tweet said today. Lazarus was dead for a few days. Sometimes the miracle takes a while. Not even understanding the context of that passage. The miracle didn't take a while. When Jesus performed the miracle, it happened instantly. It happened instantly because it had nothing to do with Lazarus' faith. It had everything to do with Jesus' faith. Jesus was the one that stood at the tomb for his friend, Lazarus, and commanded him to come out of the tomb. 
It's not that Jesus commanded him to come out on the first day when he died, and then four days later, he came out and said, well, you know, the miracle, the miracle took a while. No, the miracle happened the moment Jesus commanded it. Miracles are instantaneous. Miracles are instantaneous. Jesus allowed Lazarus to lay dead for those days because he knew the thought process of the religious people of that day. That, the, that a person was never truly dead unless they'd been dead three days. And if they did enough mourning and all their religious rituals, they could call the spirit back into the body. So Jesus said, let them do what they think they can do. And when there's nothing else left, when nobody has any other hope or any other way to quote unquote, make this happen, then when no one else can get the glory, see, that's the key. When no one else can get the glory, then I'll perform a miracle. And the miracle didn't take four days. It took a matter of seconds as they rolled away the stone and Jesus in perfect faith commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave and out he came. So, you know, many times we don't understand. People don't understand uh, the fullness of what the Bible's teaching. And what they do is that they create doctrines or belief systems around what's happened to them in life or happened to others rather than on what the Bible says. So that's why I'm going to give you these four today because I don't want you to ever feel like, well, I guess God's not working or I guess it's not my time or I guess this isn't for me or, you know, you even hear people say this, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say that in regards to the manifestation of God's power answers to prayer. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes he says wait. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say that he says sometimes yes and sometimes no and sometimes wait. The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen. That's the scripture. The promises of God are yes and amen. That means God says yes to his promises, not no and not maybe and not wait. The promises of God are yes and amen. Hey, Kelly, welcome from Alberta. And so uh, as we stand on God's promises, don't base your belief system on something that you know that happened to a friend of yours or happened to you or happened to your mom or dad or what. Don't base your faith and your belief system and your, and your uh, doctrine on that. Ba base it on what the word of God says. If my, listen, if my life, and you can write this in the comments, if my life contradicts the word of God, then the word is still true and my life is a lie. <laughs> you hear that? That's what the Bible says, let, every, let, let God be true and every man a liar. If my life contradicts the truth of God's word, then my life is a lie. Not God's word, my life is out of order. Not God's word. It's never God's word, it's always my life. And we have to live like that and believe like that. Because God's word is paramount. It sits above everything else in the universe. In fact, did you know, good morning, Brother Randy and Denise, good to have you on. Hey, Zach, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 2 that God has magnified or elevated his word above his name. So literally, God's word sits in an even higher position than his name. That's a powerful thing. If my life contradicts the word of God, then my life is a lie, not the word. My life is wrong. Well, it didn't happen for me. You're not the word of God. 
I'm not the word of God. Well, you know, I prayed for a guy. I pr- we, we were praying for this guy, and he was one of the most godly men we ever saw. We prayed for him and prayed for him for months, and he still died. Oh, really? I didn't realize that that guy was the word of God. No, he's not the word of God. He's an imperfect man, and you don't ever know all of the things that happen behind closed doors, and you cannot build a belief system or a doctrine around what happens in people's lives. That would be insane. There would be no way to serve the Lord if we based our belief system on people. There would be no way to believe the Lord if we based our belief system on the lives of people. It would be there'd be no way to do it. People are so imperfect that they could not be the example of God's nature and his ability. That's why Jesus was the example. And Hebrews 1.3 says that he was the exact uh, representation of the nature of God on the earth, not other people, Christ and God's word. And so I want to jump into these with you and I'm going to give you these four things I want you to track along with me. I want you to pop these up in the comment section and I want you to stay on top of this because this is killing people's faith and they, many times they don't even know that it is. They don't, they're not even aware that these things are stopping them from receiving. But let's let's jump into this today. Number one, the first, and if you haven't shared, please take a moment to do so. I really appreciate you guys sharing these broadcasts. Number one, the first thing that is a dangerous trap that stops your faith from working is feelings of unworthiness. That's number one, feelings of unworthiness. Pop that in the comments. Number one enemy, feelings of unworthiness, according to scripture feelings of unworthiness. I want to read this to you from the book of Hebrews, where we just were, Hebrews chapter four. And I want you to see this, uh, see this passage of scripture. I'm going to read to you Hebrews chapter four and verse 16. Number one, thank you, Shanda. Feelings of unworthiness is the first enemy we're dealing with today. Listen to Hebrews 4, 16. The Bible says, let us then with confidence, you see that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. Let us then, I'm going to read it again, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So number one, if you're going to have your faith work properly, and if your faith is going to function as God created it to function, it it has to be a faith that is filled with confidence. What kind of confidence are we talking about? Well, a confidence in who you are in Christ who you are in Christ. You know one reason that many people never even approach the throne of grace in prayer or in action or in deed or in any way is because they've been tricked by the devil into believing that they have no right to believe God for those things. And I know this is true. There's probably people that are watching me right now, live on the broadcast, that the enemy has tried to do this to you. Thank you, Zach. I love you. 
There's probably, and if that's you, don't even be ashamed of it. Throw some emoji hands up in the comments. If the enemy has ever tried to tell you that, why are you believing God for that? You're not even worthy. Look at all the stuff you've done. Look at where you've been. Look at, look at how you've conducted your life. And you want God to bless you? And you want God to come through for you? How many of them are watching that you've had that same lie told to you by the enemy? That you should not believe that God would do great things in your life or family or ministry or business because you're unworthy to receive them. You're unworthy of his goodness. You're unworthy of his grace. If you've had that, throw some of those hands up and let me see who you are because I know it's so common. I've dealt with so many people that the enemy has tried to lie to them and say, well, the reason it's not happening is because you're not worthy of that. You don't. And that's such a lie. That is such a lie. That was the whole purpose of Jesus coming and shedding his blood. Look at all the hands. Look at all the hands that are going up. This is the very lie that the devil tries to use to keep your faith from working. You're not worthy of that. Who do you think you are asking God for that and believing for that? And let me tell you something. This is the reason Jesus came, because he actually recreated us into new beings, to new creatures in Christ Jesus, so that the old you, the unworthy you, is gone. That's the whole point of redemption. The unworthy you, the old you, is gone, and a new life has begun, which means now, by the power of God, you are totally and utterly worthy to receive the blessings and the manifestations and the miracles of God in your life. You are completely and totally worthy. You know why you are? Because he made you worthy. He made you worthy by his blood and by transforming you into a new creation. And as he transformed you into a new creation. He made you in his likeness and in his image. He took your spirit man that was dead in sins and trespasses and he threw it out and recreated you as a new man. And the Bible now tells us that that inward man that you have, that spirit man that you have is literally being renewed on a daily basis. Think about this, being renewed on a daily basis basis. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 6, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward man being renewed day by day. Every day when you wake up, your spirit man is made new. According to scripture, Paul taught that. Every morning when you wake up, your spirit man is renewed for another day. You have been made perfect by Christ, and you are worthy to receive the blessings of heaven. You are more than worthy. Why? Christ made you worthy. Hallelujah. Christ has made you worthy. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to write it by faith. Don't ever let the devil lie to you again. Put it in the comments. Christ has made me worthy. Christ has made me worthy. Christ has made me worthy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm worthy to receive the benefits and the blessings and the miracles of heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, 
that I am worthy to receive the blessings, the benefits, the miracles of heaven because I'm a new creation. And that's, listen, that's why the writer of Proverbs told us this and understood this all the way back thousands of years ago. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so is he or so is she. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so even the devil understands this, right? So if he can get you in your heart to believe that you're one way, then guess what will happen? You will experience the realities of that belief. And we know that's true. Let me give you an example. You know it's true because if you believe you're nothing, if, if you truly in your heart believe that you're nobody, if, you're, if your confidence has fallen to such a place, or maybe you grew up in an environment that made your confidence be at that place, that you're nothing, you'll never be anything, you're a nobody, you're a loser. If you take that belief system on and make it your own, that you're nothing or a nobody, then what, what happens? You let people treat you like you're nobody. You let people talk to you like you're nothing. And why are you allowing that reality to take place in your life? Because you believe that that's the truth. You know what you believe? Well, yeah, I know that he probably shouldn't have said that to me. Um, I know that I know that they probably shouldn't have talked to me like that. But you know, I deserve it. That's just, I mean... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loser. I deserve to be talked to that way. I deserve to be condescended to. I deserve to be abused. I deserve to be, uh, you know, and, and, that's, and that's how people live. It becomes their reality because they believe that that's what they're worthy of. That's why it's such a trick of the devil. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. You'll experience the reality of what you believe to be true. And so that's why you have to have a clear understanding of who you are in Christ. A clear understanding of who you are. That you're not the same person you were before salvation. That you're completely made new. That the Holy Spirit inhabits your physical body like a house. And the power of God lives on the inside of you now. You understand, as I'm dealing with the Lord, who is my heavenly father, I understand that because I have this relationship with him, I have the right by law, literally by spiritual law, I have the right to petition my God. Think about this. That's true, Sarah. And, and think about this. I have the legal right in the spirit realm to petition my God for his goodness. You know, think about this. In the same way that in the natural realm, if you were to give birth to a child uh, or if you were the, the man and you impregnated the woman and that baby was your son or daughter, even legally in the natural realm, you will be required to support that child. Why? He came from you. And so because he came from you, the child has some rights and that is to be provided for by you. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach us in Matthew chapter seven is that God is a loving heavenly father. And because we are from him and the, and Paul said this, that we've been brought into the family by the spirit of adoption, because we've been brought in by the spirit of adoption, we are legally in the spirit realm, legally his children, just as much as Jesus is his child. 
Think about that. I am a son of God just as much as Jesus is a son of God. And I want you to write that in the comments. I am a son of God. Even if you're a woman, the Bible says you're a son of God. I am a son of God just as much as Jesus. I want you to write that in the comments. I am a son of God just as much as Jesus. I am a son of God just as much as Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm a son of God just as much as Jesus. Let me see you write it in the comments section. And people freak out about that. And they say, oh, that sounds pretty blasphemous to me, brother. It sounds like you're talking, that's, that's pretty blasphemous. Put yourself on the level with Jesus and say that you're a son of God like Jesus is the son of God. Absolutely I am and absolutely you are. Look what the Bible says in the gospel of John chapter one and verse 12. It says this, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become sons of God. Hallelujah. Bible says it. John chapter one and verse 12. Good morning, Kim. To as many as believed on his name, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. That's the gospel of John chapter one and verse 12. And so every one of us are sons of God now that we're saved, which means we've got the legal right to petition our heavenly father, our loving heavenly father for his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his miracle working power. Everyone watching, you're serving the Lord, you've got the right to petition the Lord for blessing. And here's what's interesting. Here's, what, here's what's interesting is that if you don't have this understanding, the enemy can trick you into believing you're unworthy. Then what happens? You'll never approach the throne of grace. As the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter four that we just read, you won't approach the throne of grace with boldness because you don't believe you can approach the throne of grace with boldness. And as a result, guess what happens? Your faith will not work. Your faith will not work because you've been tricked into believing that you are not worthy to receive the blessings of God. But let me just encourage every person watching right now, every one of you are worthy to receive the blessings, benefits of God. If you're a child of God, if you're obedient to this word, they are your right in Jesus' name. Love you, Luenda. Love you, AJ. Number two, let's get into number two. The second dangerous enemy that destroys your faith and keeps it from working is sin. Unholiness, unrighteousness destroys, it destroys your ability to operate in faith. And the, the scripture that I had mentioned to you is found in Romans chapter 14. I mentioned it to you during the first, the, the, really the introduction of what I was going to teach, that anything that is not of faith is sin. And so look at this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Did you know, and I'll read it to you, but did you know that people, and, and David knew this, people that allow sin to remain in their life, to stay in their life, God can't even hear their prayers. People that live in willful sin over and over and over again, or people that aren't serving the Lord. 
God can't even hear their prayers. He turns his face away from them, the Bible says. Literally turns his faith away from them. David even said in the Old Testament, if I had uh, kept any iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. If I had regarded iniquity in my heart or kept sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. Listen to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read you verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Hallelujah. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so understand something is that unrighteousness, sin, will actually hinder your faith from working. It'll hinder your faith from working. You know, it's interesting. And I wish I had a slide for this because I'd love to show you. We have a phenomenal uh, message package that's coming out uh, very soon called The Miracle Meal. And I'm dealing with the supernatural power of communion. The Miracle Meal. It is the supernatural power of communion. People look at communion and think it's just a, a tradition of the church or something that we do every now and then just to merely only remember what Jesus did in redemption. That's not all it is. The mir It's a miracle meal. Communion's a miracle meal that actually has supernatural benefits attached to it. And um, one of the things that I find very interesting is that it, you know, it, it is something that looses miracles into your life, uh, the communion meal. But one of the things that I find interesting is that when Paul was teaching the Corinthian church about communion and about remembering to enter in or partake of that miracle meal, he said that you, the problem with many of you, he said, you're doing it, you're eating and you're drinking unworthily. You're partaking of this miracle meal in an unworthy manner. And it's not just, uh, which is also the, the case that they were treating it like it was lunch or dinner, like it was a normal meal. No, it's more than that. He said also, it's people that are eating and drinking unworthily that have allowed sin into their life. And he said, you've got to examine yourself examine yourself before you partake in such a holy thing. And so the reason for that is what I'm teaching today is that sin is an element that can destroy your faith from working, can destroy your faith from working, keeps your prayers from being answered, keeps God from hearing your prayers, all of these different things. Sin must be removed from your life. Unrighteousness, examine yourself, get introspective. Thank you, Luke. Love you, buddy. So understand this, we've got to examine ourselves and understand that holiness is required for faith to operate in our lives. Number three, I want to give you number three. Listen to this, this, this one, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes of people that are watching me today. This is a big one, unforgiveness, unforgiveness, not walking in love. That's number three not walking in love. There's people that will, they, they purposely, I mean, it's like, it's not that they're unknowingly have something that they didn't even realize was in their heart. Purposely, I don't like him. I don't care for them at all. And, and literally, they'll go off on people uh, behind their back, you know, in public, to their face. I don't like, I don't like so-and-so. You know who I don't really like? And they'll just run people into the ground. They'll hold grudges against people. They literally hold things in their heart. They'll hold things in their heart for years against people. You know, it's an, I want to tell you an interesting story. 
my father was preaching in the early, early, early years of his ministry before I was born. And it was, I think it was one of the first, if not the first revival that my mother was ever at with him. And so they go into this church. My father's scheduled to be there, you know, for the week. And uh, they go in on a Sunday morning, literally Sunday morning. And uh, they get ready to go uh, for the... um, for the Sunday morning service. They do the praise and worship, all the other stuff. And the pastor gets up, introduces my father. My father stands up to preach. First service of a revival, of an extended revival. And gets up. My mom's sitting there, brand new to the ministry, brand new to marriage. And she's waiting for my father to start preaching. And the the Holy Ghost spoke to my father the moment he took the pulpit and said, this church is not ready for a move of God. And so my father literally shut his Bible and said, the Lord shows me that you're not ready for a move of the Holy Ghost. There are things that aren't right in this church. You need to get it right. I'll be back tonight. And literally walked off the platform, told grandma, let's go, we're leaving. And literally at the very beginning of the Sunday morning service, walked out of the church and went, and they, I think they went somewhere to a diner or something, got lunch, and left, completely left the church. No idea why he did that, only that the Holy Spirit told him to do it. What he did not know was that in that church, there had been a massive family feud that had gone on that was destroying the church and the move of the Spirit in the church. And the two families sat on opposite sides of the church and all their family members with them and literally would not speak to each other, had not spoken to each other in years and were just in a complete family grudge match. Total unforgiveness had taken place in the church, a spirit of hate, you know, all these these different things. And the Lord said, I'm not going to move in the midst of it. I'm not going to have revival. I'm not going to lose my blessing. I'm not going to lose my power. I'm not going to lose my glory in a place where there's no love. You know why? Because the Bible teaches us Galatians chapter five and verse six, faith works by love. Faith works by love. And so guess what happened? My dad left. And then in that service, after my dad left, it sat there for quiet for a while. And then the power of God hit those families and people started crossing the aisle and people started hugging one another and crying and weeping and apologizing and a spirit of love hit the church. And literally the entire place that had been in a grudge match for years, maybe a decade, they all started apologizing. They all started repenting. They all started telling each other they loved each other. My father came back the night and the power of God hit the church and they had a power. And this is so funny. The end of the story is hilarious. They had such a a phenomenal revival and a phenomenal move of the Holy Spirit that when the revival came to the end of the week and they were closing the service, the pastor stood up and said, this is the best this church has ever done in the history of the time that I've been the pastor here. I'm giving my resignation. This will be my last week. God bless you all. And the pastor literally retired at the end of that revival. He said, this is the best I've ever seen the church in the entire time I've ever pastored here. And, uh, and, and literally gave his resignation. Everybody had forgiven each other. 
everybody uh, had come back into walking in love. Well, what happened? What happened? The thing that took place was the power of God hit. Faith started working again. Why? Because love was there. If you don't walk in love, you cannot walk in faith. If you don't walk in love, you cannot walk in faith. Thank you for sowing a seed, Luke. I really appreciate it. You have to type it out, hashtag donate, and then the number. Thank you so much for sowing a seed today. Uh, and so you have to walk in love. Without love, there can be no faith. Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. Think about this. The Bible says no matter what you have, Paul taught this to the Corinthians, you could have the gifts of the spirit, all these other things, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If you don't have love, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. And people are beginning to sow. I appreciate all those people that are sowing seeds into the ministry. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for those that are sowing. I really, really appreciate it. Listen, for those of you that would like to sow a seed today, uh, before we finish this broadcast, I have two more. I have two more things I really want to tell you. But if you'd like to sow, because I can tell people are being moved in their spirit to sow seeds before we get into 2020, there's a few different ways that you can do that. You can put hashtag donate in the comment section. You can go to miracleword.com. You can sow a seed there. Or you can use Cash App. The cash tag, as you see on the screen, MWGive. Or if you'd like to use PayPal, it's info at miracleword.com. Thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds. I appreciate it. And obviously the Holy Spirit's moving on people to sow and to partner with our ministry. So thank you for standing with us. And I want to encourage those of you that are watching, if you've not gotten a chance to do this, take a moment by faith, set yourself up for the best 2020 you've ever seen and sow a seed by faith today. It will change your future. I promise you that. It's changed mine and my wife's. It'll change yours as well. Mark chapter 11 I'll leave that up for people that want to see how to give or what to do. Mark chapter 11, you've got to walk in love. But part of that, as I'm talking about, is walking in forgiveness. You can't let unforgiveness run your life. You can't let unforgiveness rule your life and think God's going to bless you or think that your faith is going to work. So I want you to see this because everybody loves to read Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 24 because it's so faith building. You know, you read what Jesus taught his disciples. It's so extremely faith building. Let me read it to you. This is what the Bible says. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And uh, 22nd verse of Mark 11, he says this. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Look at verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and you shall have it. Or this translation says, and it will be yours. And everybody loves to stop there. But go further, because he's still teaching. Jesus is still teaching. Look at verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against someone, so that your Father who's in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. So notice, he said, whenever you stand praying. So this is tacked on to what he was teaching about faith moving mountains. 
Jesus was saying you can't expect a mountain to move by faith if you won't forgive when you stand praying. Unforgiveness will keep your mountains from being moved. I want you to put that in the comment section, those of you that are watching. Unforgiveness will keep my mountains from being moved. Unforgiveness will keep my mountains from being moved. That's a dangerous thing. Don't don't allow yourself to walk in that. Unforgiveness will keep your mountains from being moved. You can't hate somebody for any reason. The Bible says if you say you love the Lord, but you hate your brother, the love of God's not in you and you're a liar. So you can't hate people based upon their the color of their skin, their race. You can't hate people based upon what country they're from. You can't hate people or, or dislike people based upon their economic status or what side of the tracks they grew up on. It doesn't, and you can't do that and expect your faith to work. It won't work. Your faith will not work if that's not in place. Forgiveness and love have to be in place. When you stand praying, forgive forgive. I want to move into this final one now, this final enemy that will keep your faith from working. Final enemy. If you're just logging on, you didn't get a chance to do so yet, take a minute and share this broadcast today. Listen to this. The final enemy that will keep your faith from working is found in the book of James chapter one. Let's go there. James chapter one. And I want to read you what the Holy Spirit inspired James to write in this letter. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to start reading with verse chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse 5, and I'm going to go through verse 8. Listen to this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Meaning he's not going to rebuke you for asking. But look at verse 6. Let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea who is driven and tossed by the wind. And that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Do you see that? Not anything. He's, verse 8, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Unstable in all his ways. So number four. The fourth dangerous enemy that will keep you from receiving or seeing your faith working or receiving miracles is double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. Double-mindedness, being of two opinions. Being of two opinions. Do not, do not doubt in your, in your heart whether or not God will do the thing. In fact, the Holy Spirit is telling us here, if we doubt in our heart, if we doubt in our heart, there is nothing that we can receive from God. Nothing. Because unbelief is a faith killer. Unbelief is a faith killer. Did you know that this is so true, that this, this what I'm talking about, this principle is so true, that it actually even happened in the life of Jesus. If you can believe that. It happened in the life of Jesus because Jesus himself cannot override double-mindedness. Jesus himself cannot override doubt and unbelief. So this 
happened even in the life of Jesus. Now look at this. The Bible says that Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth expecting to have a mighty move of the Holy Spirit to see people healed and changed by the power of God. And the Bible says this, they took offense at him. This is Mark chapter six, verses one through six. They took offense at him. And Jesus actually said uh, in verse four, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. And verse five, and he could do no mighty work there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And he marveled, catch this, he was blown away by what? Their unbelief, their unbelief. He was blown away by their unbelief, completely blown away by their unbelief. And what happened to Jesus' ministry? Even though he wanted to do mighty things in Nazareth, he couldn't do any mighty things in Nazareth, the Bible says. And it was because of their unbelief. That's what James is teaching us. He's telling us that if we don't get doubt and unbelief out of our spirits, it will hinder our faith from working and it will keep us from receiving anything from the Lord. You've got to remove doubt and unbelief from your spirit in order to receive the blessings of God. Now, let me run backwards and quickly go over the things, the four things, and give you the way that you can defeat them every time quickly. This, let's, let's start with this one, doubt and unbelief. Look at the first thing Jesus did after he encountered their doubt and unbelief. The Bible says he traveled to their cities and in their synagogues preaching and teaching. So if you want to remove doubt and unbelief from your life, then you need to receive preaching and teaching on any given subject that you have doubt about. If it's receiving healing, if it's receiving freedom from depression, if it's receiving uh, freedom from poverty and lack and walking in the overflow by understanding tithing and giving and whatever, you need preaching and teaching regarding these subjects. That's why we do Miracle Word University. That's why we do these broadcasts. That's why I do the podcast. It's because I want you guys to have plenty. It's why we started Miracle Word Radio. We want you guys to have plenty of ammunition to build your faith in any area of your life. So to get rid of doubt and unbelief, do what Jesus did and allow preaching and teaching to overtake the people because as my father's preached for many years, that preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Preaching and teaching are the cure for unbelief. Move back. Number three is walking in love. Walking in love. Now, how do you get out of a, a spirit of uh, strife, uh, fighting, bickering, complaining? I'll tell you one massive way. If you search your heart and find out that you, you have something against someone, a person, something that you're, you're dealing with, you, you hold an offense in your heart uh, against a person or whatever, Be, number one, begin to pray for them daily. Begin to pray for that person daily. Let's say, for example, you have something against your cousin or a, a, somebody at work or somebody at your church. Take significant amount of time in your prayer time and pray for that person. Pray, number one, that God would bless them. Pray that God would increase them. Pray that God would bring them into health and strength. Pray that God would bless their relationships. Any person that you find that you're harboring something in your heart against a person, take significant amount of time to pray 
for that person. I guarantee you that as you pray for them, God will change your heart. God will literally change your heart. That unforgiveness has to go. That strife, that issue, that offense has to go. It's hard to hate someone that you pray for for an hour a day. I promise you that. It's hard to hate someone that you pray that God would bless them an hour a day. Understand this. Even if somebody has tried to make themselves your enemy, did you know the Bible says that you're to pray for your enemies? Pray for your enemies, those that try to spitefully use you. Pray for them. It keeps your heart right. It keeps your heart right. So for those that you feel like you're walking in a place of unforgiveness or whatever it might be, begin to pray for that person. Go back to number two. What was number two? Sin. Sin. Sin keeps faith from working. Do you know that there are two elements that keep sin out of the believer's life? Two elements keep sin out of your life. Number one, prayer. Prayer is the number one element. The Bible says in, uh, it was Matthew, the book of Matthew 26 and verse 41. Jesus is teaching his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, pray. Let me actually read it to you because this is very important. Prayer is the first element that will keep sin out of your life. Matthew 26, listen to verse 41. Jesus said this. He said, uh, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And so the flesh is weak. So how do you strengthen yourself to not fall into temptation? As Jesus just said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Keep a watch over yourself. Examine yourself and pray. Prayer will keep you in a place of strength to stay free from temptation. And then number two is to fill your heart with the mighty word of God. Fill your heart with the mighty word of God. What does that mean? David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I've hidden your word in my heart that what? I might not sin against God. So by filling yourself with God's word, you're keeping yourself free from sin. Those two elements will strengthen you and keep you from falling into sin. And then back to the number one, feelings of unworthiness. Feelings of unworthiness. Understand this. As I, as I taught you at the very beginning, if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't understand your new creation reality, who God's made you to be, then you'll never understand that you are now a new person, that you now have new benefits, that you're now part of a supernatural family. And I suggest to you that you take time daily to read the letters of Paul, specifically Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and read these things where he began to teach about being in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. Understand what we, what we call the Pauline revelation. The revelation Paul received from the Lord about being united with Jesus Christ. New creation realities. And take time to understand that you're not the same person anymore. Galatians 3.27, if you've been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27. Colossians 3 and verse 3, the Bible says that you are now dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
So understand you've got to know who you are in Christ. If you want feelings of unworthiness to leave you, it means that you have to know who you are. You can't argue with me about who I am because I know my identity. In the same way, you know, let's, I'm looking at some of the people in the comment section, Shanda or, 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 or Pam or Justine or Samson or Pat Blay. In the same way, no one could convince you that you're not Pat, that you're not Samson, that you're not Justine, that you're not Pamela, that you're not Shanda. No one can come and say, let me explain to you why you're not Pat Blay. No, they can't explain it away. You know who you are. You know who you are. And in the same way, the devil should not be able to explain away who you are in Christ to you. You got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are in Christ. And you cannot allow the devil to keep you from knowing who you are. I want to pray for every person today because we're jumping into a new year very soon. God's got plenty of blessings left for this year of 2019, but we're getting ready to cross over. And see, this is going to be the greatest year we've ever seen. 2020 is going to be the greatest year we've ever seen. Violent increase, expedited favor. In Jesus' mighty name, violent increase, expedited favor. It's going to happen so quick, it'll make people's head spin that are watching your life. That's how quickly God will do these things for you. My prayer for you has been this. Lord, before the first half of the year comes to an end, by June the 30th, answer all their prayers. Let all their goals be met so that by July 1st, we have to get all new instruction from the Lord, all new goals, set all new strategies for the second half of the year. Lord, in Jesus' name, let us be supernaturally promoted in 2020 so that it blows the minds of natural men when they see what God's doing in our lives. It won't be natural. It'll be supernatural. It will not be natural. It'll be supernatural. So Father, let our faith increase and do not let any one of these traps destroy our faith before we cross over to this new year. Let it be a year we build in faith supernaturally that everything we put our hands to do increases rapidly, promotion rapidly in Jesus' name. Supernatural blessing of the Lord. Let every one of us, this is my prayer, agree with me on this. I, I want some emoji hands to go up if you agree with this right now. Make us a spectacle of your goodness in 2020. Make me a spectacle of your goodness. In fact, those of you that I'm praying this, I want you to write that word by faith in the comments, spectacle. I want to become a spectacle of God's goodness. I want to become a spectacle of his favor, of his increase, that anybody watching, doesn't matter if they know me or don't know me, could point their finger at me and say, look what God is doing in him and his family and his ministry. Lord, make us spectacles of your favor, of your glory, of your power, of your increase. Make me a spectacle. Lift me high, head and shoulders above those that disregard your covenant. Lift me high, head and shoulders above. Lift them high, Lord. Head and shoulders above those who disregard the covenant and make us spectacles. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, make us spectacles of your goodness, favor, and increase. We thank you, Lord, that it's coming quickly to pass. 
It's coming quickly to pass because your word runs swiftly. Your word runs swiftly. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Now, if you receive that, if you receive that, I want you to put some emoji in and all caps, amen, in Jesus' name. I wanted to read you one verse of scripture because this just jumped in my spirit uh, as we were doing this. And it's uh, a scripture that I sent to you uh, in the magazine as well this year. But I wanted you to see this verse of scripture. And um, it's found in Psalm 147. You say, why are we believing for fast, for it to happen so fast? And here's why. Psalm 147 and verse 15. Listen to this. Psalm 147 and verse 15. The Bible says, God sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Hallelujah. God sends out his command to the earth and his word runs swiftly. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 147 and verse 15. His word runs swiftly. Thank you, uh, Jeremiah, for sowing a seed. Listen, if you didn't get a chance to do it yet, take a minute and sow a seed. By faith, today, his word is running swiftly into your house, into your life. You will not miss out on the blessings of God. You will not miss out on the favor of God. His word is gonna run swiftly into your house in 2020, swiftly into your family, swiftly into your business, swiftly into your ministry, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so take a minute, sow that seed by faith and watch what God's gonna do in this upcoming year of 2020. I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to see it, man. I'm so excited to cross over. And I know God's got great things. <clears throat> for this ministry, for your life, your ministry, your business, your family, it's gonna blow up in a good way in 2020. Before I go, let me quickly mention again, it's being shipped here in just a couple of days, really. The brand new edition of Miracle Word Quarterly. This magazine comes out every quarter and this is going to be the best issue that we have ever released. It's definitely the largest issue we've ever released. And I popped something in there for you to set you off in a new year with violent increase by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to be powerful. If you don't have it yet, go to miracleword.com forward slash live and sign up right there on the site. If you've already signed up, you don't have to do it again. But if you've not yet signed up, filled out the form, please do it. You'll also receive an email from me with a free 40-day devotional ebook that I wanna send to you to be a blessing to you, tell you how much I love you, and uh, this is gonna be a huge, huge blessing to you. And then don't forget, we've got the new Miracle Word Kids shirts available, all these different sizes and colors too. I wanted to show you this one, but also we've got yellow ones. They look so good. They look so, so good for your kids. They got confessions on them, scriptures on them, but they look good. It's stuff people are going to actually want to wear. <laughs> and they look really awesome. I love these. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to get a hold of them. They look so awesome. But they're inside of the Christmas treasure box. And so you have this box that comes with a, a shirt of your choice, 
a, a kids miracle word kids journal that has our uh, on top of it has our, our our slogan strong smart and set apart and a journal will be included inside the box and then also a kids slap bracelet says the same thing strong smart set apart and then a bunch of other goodies we're packing in for your kids for Christmas and you can get these boxes right now for only forty nine ninety nine at shop dot miracle word dot com Kelly. Uh, my, my youngest son, I don't know if you saw that. My youngest son was wearing one of the shirts. Um, that's, that's Teddy. He's three years old and he's wearing that size small, uh, of the shirt and they go all the way up to large kid sizes. But I mean, all the way down, he's like a, that's the smallest size you see right there. And he's three. And I think he wears right now, like a five T. So that's what it looks like on, on a kid that wears five T shirt. Um, so that's, that's the smallest right now. We, we didn't do toddler sizes, just small kid sizes. So you can get those and it's all available inside the, uh, Miracle Word Kids Christmas treasure box, which I'm so, so excited about. And those are available right now on the store. If you want to go grab yours, shop.miracleword.com. And, uh, I'm so pumped up about that. You guys are going to love it. I know your kids will love it and it'll be really cool. By the way, we're going to ship those boxes. Let me show you those boxes again real quick because we're going to, sh we're going to ship you these boxes uh, because we made them really cool so that if your kids want to keep the box, um, they can. We printed them up custom so that they have the, the uh, confession and all that on them. That if your kids want to keep them to keep their stuff in them or whatever, they could do that. So we're going to ship them into, to you in such a way that the box itself doesn't get destroyed in case your kids want to keep it. But I love even the boxes. They came out really, really great. And uh, we love to be a blessing to your kids. Um, I know Matt, Matt wanted to ask, he said, before the broadcast, I want to ask your thoughts on the I Am Jesus Christ video game uh, in VR. I thought it looks like it has potential. It does look like it has potential. And I'm really, really, really hoping that it's a great game because I've been saying this for years that Christians are not taking advantage of every outlet that they could be uh, to get this message of, of the gospel out. I mean, um, I love, I still play video games. I love, I love video games. I love reading great novels, great books, movies, television shows, but there's very little available for Christians. That's quality. It blows my mind. That's why I'm going to start writing. Um, Christian fiction. I don't know if you guys heard me say that, but it's like, it's where I'm headed. I'm going to write Christian fiction starting for the Miracle Word Kids. And um, we're going to be doing like a series of books um, for kids that are going to be right around, you know, 120 pages or so. The same size. If you guys remember those Goosebumps books, I'm going to try to do them about the same size as those, the Goosebumps series. But I want to do something that's full of faith for kids, uh, teaches the word. And everything, so I'm I'm, I'm excited. But the, you go to the bookstore; there's like nothing available for Christian fiction. It's all like Amish romance novels. I, I do not understand that Amish romance for some reason. Uh, but there's like nothing for video games. And the last time they put anything out for video games, it was when the Nintendo Entertainment System was out, and there was like a Bible video game that had like Moses. You could be like Moses or Elijah or David. Can you imagine if they made like an RPG? where you could be King David, like Nick's saying, where you could be like David, but not just slaying Goliath. You could start him out like when he was a boy watching the sheep and his first 
quest could be like killing the lions and the bears and then going on that mission to take the bread and cheese to his brothers on the battlefield and then encountering Goliath, uh, you know, after being anointed by, by, uh, by uh, Samuel and then standing in the king's court, literally getting uh, demon spirits out of the court by playing anointed music on the harp. I mean, there's so much that could be done from the Bible and I don't know why no one has has done this. I mean, like literally. Uh, so I'm glad for this video game, Matt, to answer your question. I'm hoping it's awesome. I'm hoping it's great. I'm gonna get it and play it and uh, I hope it's really good. Maybe I'll do a live stream of me playing it at some point. That'd be funny. But uh, I would like to do it. Maybe like a Twitch account or something like that. <laughs> It'd be really cool. But anyway, I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging again with me today. It's a great day. It's a great beginning of the week starting yesterday and now today. I know many of you are back at work. But be encouraged. This is going to be the greatest month of the year. And then 2020 is going to be the greatest year that we've ever had in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, I love it. I got I got so much to share with you guys. I can't even tell it tell it all uh, right now. But I'm I'm very excited about where we're headed in 2020. It's going to be great. You're going to be blessed. Kids are going to be blessed. And it's going to be wonderful. I'm so so excited. I love you so much. Have a phenomenal Monday. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning again, 10:30 a.m. normal time. I love you. Have a great day. And let's talk soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.